This episode is brought to you by Shopify. Whether you're selling a little or a lot, Shopify helps you do your thing, however you cha-ching. From the launch your online shop stage, all the way to the we just hit a million orders stage. No matter what stage you're in, Shopify's there to help you grow. Sign up for a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash special offer, all lowercase. That's shopify.com slash special offer. So we sort of had this idea early on that it would be kind of like with humor, which feels wrong. But we sort of early on, we were like, we got we to gotta put some sugar in this medicine or people aren't going to want to take it. Welcome to Creative Elements, a show where we talk to your favorite creators and learn what it takes to make a living from your art and creativity. I'm your host, Jay Klaus. Let's start the show. Hello, my friend. Welcome back to another episode of Creative Elements. Now, this probably won't surprise you, but one of the mediums I want to explore more over the coming months is podcasting. I truly want to continue to improve as a podcaster and to push the envelope on the quality of this show. Now, we started to dig in that direction a little bit with last week's conversation with Jordan Harbinger, one of the biggest podcasters on the planet. And we're continuing with this week's episode. Now, I want to warn you, today's episode has some heavy themes. We talk about drug use, suicide, and there is some explicit language too. So if that's not something you're up for right now, or if you're around kids, you can abort this episode now and there is no hard feelings. Okay, you're still with me? Cool. Today I'm talking with the co-creators of Lemonada Media, a podcast network that is turning life's lemons into lemonade one podcast at a time. Their first podcast, Last Day, premiered in the fall of 2019. This is Last Day, a new podcast from Lemonada Media about the things that are killing us. And I'm your host, Stephanie Whittles-Wax. Stephanie Whittles-Wax is the Chief Creative Officer for Lemonada Media alongside her co-founder, Jessica Cordova-Kramer. Stephanie is a theater director, a well-known voice actor, and the author of the best-selling memoir, Everything is Horrible and Wonderful, a tragicomic memoir of genius, heroine, love, and loss. Jessica is the executive producer of the Pod Save the People podcast, which has won multiple Webby Awards, She began her career as a Wall Street lawyer who moonlighted on pro bono domestic violence and refugee cases and even worked for Teach for America. So you may be wondering why these two women would want to make a podcast about the things that are killing us. Well, unfortunately, they both know the topic all too well. In 2015, Steph lost her brother, beloved comedian Harris Whittles, to a heroin overdose. Harris was a writer and executive producer for Parks and Rec, among a lot of other incredible work. And in 2017, Jess lost her brother, Stefano Cordova Jr., to a fentanyl overdose. The two of them were total strangers living thousands of miles apart, and Jess just happened to hear Steph on a podcast, an episode of Terrible Thanks for Asking. And so, Jess reached out. I, I really did have a very young baby uh, when, we, when we started all this. I met Jess a week before I was going to give birth to that human being. And in fact, when she, she was executive producing Pod Save the People with DeRay, and she reached out about my being a guest on the show. And in that phone call that lasted like an hour, I mean, we were just like very connected in this sort of cosmic way very early on. I hate the phone, but I stayed on with her for a very long time. 
at the very end, she was like, do you want to do this podcast about opioids? I have this idea. I don't know if you're into it. And I was like, lady, I'm about to pop. I got a <laughs> giant baby. I'm five feet tall. I'm like a beached whale. Um, <laughs> let me give birth and I'll circle back with you. The idea being, I probably wasn't going to. I did want to be on Pots of the People, but doing a podcast about opioids was really not in my in my uh, toolbox of things I wanted to, to pull from. But the idea for the opioid podcast stuck around in both of their heads. And it wasn't long until Stephanie had the impulse to reach back out to Jessica. The three-month-old baby was, you know, now three months. And I read an article that that uh, opioids are killing more people than car accidents. I probably was nursing at the time. And uh, I emailed Jess and said, okay, I don't want to do this, but it is killing everyone. So let's do it. You know, <laughs> Your opioids just, podcast sounds better than breastfeeding this baby. Please truly. Save me. Please save me from Please early save me. Please save me <laughs> from, from what's happening in my body. And not long after that, Jessica and Stephanie formed Lemonada Media and began producing season one of Last Day telling the stories of their brothers and focusing on Jessica's brother Stefano's last day. We're trying to understand the why and the how of America's most massive epidemics by zooming in on one person's story, more specifically, their last day. Then we rewind the tape. We look at all the circumstances that brought them to their last day so we can figure out how they got there and how we, as a society have gotten here. Our first season, we'll be talking about opioids because, unfortunately, it's the epidemic I know best. My brother, Harris Whittles, comedian, beloved human, died of a heroin overdose in 2015. So naturally, we are talking to comedians Aziz Ansari and Sarah Silverman, both noted experts on opioids. No. That is a lie. They were um, friends of my brother's. They are not experts in this field at all. It's a really powerful, emotional show. But as you may have noticed from just these short clips of Stephanie and Jessica, they don't seem heavy or depressed in the way that they talk about these subjects. In fact, they almost sound upbeat and joyful. And when it comes to last day, that's by design. I had this feeling that I knew it was going to be hard and it was going to be like highly produced and edited it had to be so deeply narrative and pleasant to listen to because we were going to be talking about dying from heroin. And, and that is not something that you want to tune into. So we sort of had this idea early on that it would be kind of like with humor, which feels wrong. But we sort of early on, we were like, we got we to gotta put some sugar in this medicine or people aren't going to want to take it. That's a weird metaphor talking about heroin. But you know what I'm saying. But it is related to our brand, like the lemonada, like the idea that you'd sweeten something sour. And that's the only way people can handle. The two of them haven't backed down from tough subjects. Lemonada Media has grown to 10 shows now, including shows on policing, drug recovery, and the large American population struggling to make ends meet. In October of 2020, they released season two of Last Day. But this time, we are tackling a new topic. And it's complicated. I think what's tricky about talking about a suicide epidemic, well, there are many things. One is that suicide's been a major public health problem forever. The reason that it's not been uh, in people's awareness is because it's such a stigmatized behavior that people by and large don't want to talk about it. But we do. So let's talk about it. 
In this episode, we talk about creating Last Day, how Stephanie produces these narrative shows, how Jessica's intuition led to creating Lemonada Media in the first place, and why creativity can help us express our grief. This is a slightly shorter episode than usual because my internet connection went down for 15 minutes in the middle of the interview. And being the incredible people that they are, Jess and Steph stuck around and waited for my internet to reconnect. I cannot thank them enough for that. It gave us enough content to make a full episode here. I'd love to hear your thoughts on this episode as you listen. You can find me on Twitter or Instagram at jklaus. And if you're not already in our listeners group on Facebook, I'd love for you to join. But now let's talk to Jess and Steph. I didn't actually think about doing an opioids podcast till I was on the phone with Stephanie. And I was like, there's something here. Like we are two, we went to college together, Stephanie. And I, we didn't even know each other there, but like we're two high performing people from functioning, mostly families who had awesome brothers who ended up accidentally addicted. I don't know if anyone gets purposely addicted, addicted to heroin. Um, and they died and it like cut them down in the prime of their lives and it fucking sucked. And so I just like talking to her and I was making a really big podcast. And so podcasting was on my brain. So I did slip it in there. It earwormed into my own head. So, you know, that's what happened. And we, we started to come up with a light concept for it, which was not the, it was the original concept was not the last day shows something dumb. And we were talking to some networks about it. And then the idea started to marinate and I think I said to Stephanie at one point, like, everyone else can do podcast networks. Like, why don't, why don't we put our own show out at least? And then in the course of making Last Day, we, were, we had 400 other ideas and here we are. Can you tell me a little bit more about your background, Jess, and what you were doing with Pod Save the People and why podcasting was on your mind? Yeah, I still make that show, by the way. <laughs> it's my like weird side hustle. Dre is one of my best friends on the planet and the crooked people are amazing. And every month I'm like, you guys, do you still, I mean, like I literally run another network. It's like, <laughs> we don't compete, please we're just like, not this, but like, can I please be done? And they're like, yeah, here's the thing about it. It's a great no. show. And we, oh, um, so love them, love the show. And I'm, I believe in the show so deeply, like it's providing such a needed space. But I, I was not a big podcast fan and I didn't have an audio background. I had the most boring career ever compared to, you know, what we're doing now. I, I did cool stuff in the day to day, but nothing like this. I was a lawyer and then did nonprofit management. And then Dore texted me one day in the middle of the day and was like, I got a podcast with Crooked. I need help. And I was like, okay, don't like literally no idea what parameters of help he needed. Like, do you need me to help buy you a microphone? I don't know how to do that, but I'll, I love you. So I'll help you. So we ended up making that show and uh, it's in season three now. It's won like tons of awards. And so, and, and the cool thing about that related to Lemonada um, and the crooked people have been so helpful. There's a lot of badass women who help run that company. They're super supportive. They were with me when my, like when my brother died, they were like, I was literally like in a, I was in the mix. And so they were incredibly supportive. I got, I got to see a startup go from like zero shows to four shows to 10 shows and be behind the scenes and help build the audience and monetize and all that stuff. So we had some business acumen coming in and some advice coming in. So then my next question would be, you know, you, you had this experience with Crooked and building Pod Save the People. You knew that podcasting to the degree that last day has taken the form of is a serious investment of effort and time. You guys aren't just flipping on the microphone, having a conversation and publishing it. So I think talk- that's what happens actually, Jay. I mean, <laughs> that's how it goes. 
that's not even what happens in my small operation. So talk to me about how you guys worked through that and how you came to the decision of what the format of the show would be, because people listening to this probably don't have a lot of an idea of the reality of what it takes to make a, a high production value podcast. Yeah. I mean, the, the interesting thing about that is that aside from breastfeeding, I had a career as a, as, as an artist for a long time in a variety of mediums. Um, so I, primarily was a theater director, voiceover actor. But like when you're when you're directing a play, it is a six week to eight week production process, right? Four weeks on the short on the short end to bring that thing into life, to take it from like the page to the stage, if you will. I'm sorry, I'll never say that again. Um, <laughs> Don't edit That's that good. out. It's Don't good. you dare edit that out. <laughs> In fact, please make that an audiogram. <laughs> please, please edit that out. <laughs> And then tag her on Twitter so we can all retweet it. It'll be great. (laughs) So an artistic process taking a while to sort of cultivate and to collaborate and to take this thing and breathe life into it. I don't have the capacity to put press record, put it into a microphone and put it up. I don't I don't know how to do that creatively. Every creative thing that I've ever done, including like writing a book and has gone through revision after revision after revision after revision. So like the storytelling part of podcasting, it is a long process. I don't think that people know or I'm just laughing because if Stephanie had her way, she would never release every any episode of anything. Ever. Ever. I mean there's there is a there's a quote in the theater. It's like we don't we don't open we don't open the curtain because it's ready. We open because the audience sits down and is read and is paid to see it. So you, you there's like that that Phil Seymour Hoffman movie, Schenectady, New York, where he like is this mad artist and he spends his entire life working on this one thing. I felt that I watched that movie and I cried. I don't even know why it was so crazy and ridiculous, but I was like, yes, that is what it feels like to just want to tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak and tweak. And that's sort of Jess and I are really good partners in that way that I am so in the weeds and I'm so meticulous in my attention to detail. You know, like if there's a breath out of place, I'm like flagging it on the Google doc. And Jess is like much more big picture and visionary. Like how she said, I was on the call with you and I had this idea. Like she's still emailing me at three in the morning with ideas constantly. And I responded like one out of every 10, you know? So, so there's this nice balance of we've got to get this out the door and me being like, no, but I need to hone it so that it's beautiful and breathes right and is paced correctly and that it's ready for consumption. You know, you, you need both of those things to make something, you know, sort of sing. Yeah. I have a running joke with Stephanie where like when I get the email, that's like, I think we need to postpone launch. It's not ready. It's not going to happen. I know it's like on the verge of being a fucking amazing. <laughs> like, I'm like, sounds good. Um, let's just like wait one more week to decide. And then she'll eventually <laughs> maybe back within 18 hours. And I'll be like, JK, it's the best thing I've ever made. It's ready to go. <laughs> Cause she's, her process is very intense. And this was your first podcast, right, Stephanie? Um, I did a podcast for two years called Hands Off Parents. It was a tiny little operation with me and my one of my best friends, Abby. We had kids. She had twins. And I had my daughter, Iris, two weeks apart. And so we would basically just drink a bottle of wine and speak into microphones and then upload it onto SoundCloud. And we still have like an active Facebook page, you know. We did this podcast for like two and a half years. It, like our kids would play in the background. It was so sloppy. And that was the whole point of it that we were, you know, kind of like terrible or mediocre mothers. So, and I did have this like career as a voiceover actor. So talking in microphones was really comfortable for me in an audio format. 
After a short break, we talk about the creative process of how Stephanie and Jess produce shows like Last Day for Lemonada Media, right after this. If you know me, you know how much I believe in memberships. My membership is the core of my business and earning an income directly from your audience is one of the most sustainable ways for you to become a professional creator too. So I want to tell you about today's sponsor, Uscreen. Uscreen is a beautiful all-in-one platform that helps content creators earn a living from their videos by unlocking predictable recurring revenue. You can host private live streams for your members, build an on-demand catalog of premium content, and Uscreen gives you a community hub to interact with your members too. They can access your community from their mobile phone, so your membership is right there in their pocket. With a Uscreen account, you get video hosting, an out-of-the-box website, full payment and subscription management, and plenty of third-party integrations too. And Uscreen makes it easy to get set up. You get access to powerful website themes that are fully brandable with no coding skills required. Uscreen will even provide a dedicated success manager for you. Just about anyone that wants to make money from their content can do it with Uscreen. It's perfect for coaches, authors, influencers, and entrepreneurs in just about any niche. Right now, Uscreen is used by creators in fitness, education, news, kids entertainment, and more. That includes Yoga with Adrian and Creator Now, just to name a couple. Uscreen is the platform for building a video membership site that is great for generating a sustainable income for professional creators. If you create video content for your audience, I highly recommend checking it out. If you're interested in learning more about Uscreen, visit uscreen.link slash j. That's U-S-C-R-E-E-N dot link slash j and let them know that I sent you. This episode is sponsored by BetterHelp. Last year, my wife and I started talking about her joining the business full time. This is a huge decision, not just for the business, but for our marriage. My wife, being the very smart and thoughtful woman that she is, suggested that we proactively sign up for therapy as a couple to help us communicate better before we started working together. It really helped us have better language to describe how we're feeling and listen to one another, which generally lowers the intensity of any conversation. Now, I had never been in therapy before, but here's something that I didn't expect. It didn't just help our dialogue, but it helped my inner monologue too. The way I understand my own experience has changed based on the tools that I got from therapy. If you're thinking about starting therapy, give BetterHelp a try. It's entirely online, so it's convenient, it fits your schedule, and you can be in the comfort of your own home. Just fill out a short questionnaire and you'll get matched with a licensed therapist. They even make it easy to switch therapists if it doesn't feel like a fit. Get it off your chest with BetterHelp. Visit betterhelp.com slash creator today to get 10% off your first month. That's betterhelp, H-E-L-P dot com slash creator. Welcome back to my conversation with Jessica Cordova Kramer and Stephanie Whittles Walks of Lemonada Media. I've been podcasting for the last three years now, and so it's getting very easy for me to identify when people put a lot of time and effort into producing a show versus not. And it didn't take long for me to notice just how much effort Jessica and Stephanie put into last day. So I asked Stephanie if she knew what she was getting into when she told Jess that she wanted to make the show. I felt like um, my expectation very early on is that we were creating This American Life. I I was determined to do this in a way that was way complicated. And, you know, Jess was like, yeah, we'll, we'll do a couple of interviews in each episode. And I was like, yeah, yeah, totally, totally. And then in my mind, I'm like, I'm like that, what that gif of that woman who's like seeing the numbers. <laughs> yeah. Her eyeballs are going back and forth. <laughs> you know, I was like, oh yeah, totally two interviews. And then we're going to chop them up and dice them together and <laughs> make a stew. 
we were co-hosting at first, like our pilot episode that we did. We were both on the mic together. It was such a different kind of a show. It took a while to figure out what the format would be. Just did this go beyond the scope you had originally imagined when you said we're going to do a couple interviews? Did Stephanie come in and and blow this into a much larger thing than you anticipated? <laughs> no, it was exactly what I thought it was going to be. <laughs> it was great. It was great. Um, yes, it it definitely in the best way possible. Uh, but this is what I love about working with Stephanie is like she will take an idea that she likes. She will ignore an idea that she doesn't, but she will take an idea that she likes. And you just hire a team around it, figure out what she thinks it is, throw it away a few times, bring it back to life. Um, and it's painful. It's painful. It's like it's super painful. painful. It's like watching a dog give birth to like a really big litter over and over and over again. You're like, but the 10th dog comes out. You're like, is it fucking over yet? <laughs> you know? Oh my God. But it's... But it's beautiful in the end. And like last day, season one was fucking brutal. Like it was brutal. It was, we were, it was my brother, my dad was on it. My, you know, with audio from my brother who passed away, we recreated the last day of his life. Cause that's the, the show is you zoom in on someone's last day and then you zoom out to understand that sort of macro environment that allows for epidemics. I felt really in the weeds in, in last day, season one in a way that was like exhausting for, for both of us. And on season two, it's not about us. So I listen with everyone else. Like I did a lot behind the scenes to like set up the partnership with Jed and like maybe I don't even know if I identified one guest this season, probably not. But when I listen, it's like with regular folks out there, I have not listened to one cut. So I just think she's freaking amazing. She knows I'm her biggest fan, like truly. But but you are still, you're still seeing me give birth to that litter. (laughs) Oh, I am seeing it. Beholding the pain. it. It is painful. But you, you're becoming more meta aware of it. Like, I don't know how many episodes of shows you've produced as our, you know, you make all our shows. Like, what are we at? Like 200 episodes now, probably. Too um, many. <laughs> so you've overseen every single one. And I feel like you're getting slightly more zen. It's like, there's only six puppies in this litter. You're smoking a <laughs> cigarette through the labor. <laughs> Midway through, you have a mojito. It's fine. I'm going to come back to last day here in a minute, but we have a lot of creators who listen to the show and and they love to get down into the weeds on how some of this stuff works. So Steph, if you will humor me, can you talk me through your process of producing some of these shows? Oh, yeah. Okay. Um, This is the therapy that you needed. You needed a therapy session. This is my armor. (laughs) So every show is so different. It's like, tell, it's like if you were to say, tell me about your two children, you know, like they're completely different and take different things to make them function and grow as people. So with a show like Last Day or something that's narrative, you're spending a couple months trying to figure out what's the story? What 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 do we want to talk about this season? What's important? What do we have to hit? So there's like this massive kind of research phase, this sort of spider web thing that's happening where you're talking to this person that connects you to this person that connects you to this person. And you've got this massive list of people you want to talk to. Then you start getting tape, just like doing interview after interview after interview after interview. And your Google Drive is just full of tape and names and possible topics. Clarifying question. When you're getting this tape, is it because you've already constructed the narrative arc? You know who you want certain sound bites from? Or are you saying, I just want to collect a store of this so that I can artist it together? 
That's a great question. You have an idea of the topics that you want to hit, right? And you start talking to people. This is the saddest part is that there are a third of interviews that we collect, we end up not airing. We use them as research. We use them as data for our for our scripting and voiceover and the sort of lessons that we're providing on the show. Lessons is not the greatest word, but the takeaways, right? We we use them in terms of like, so I'm not Googling this, but I have an actual expert saying it. So you you have a general idea, like we want to talk about PTSD. We want to talk about veteran suicide. So we talk to like tons of specialists in that arena. We want to talk about teen suicide, right? Non-suicidal self-harm. You know, you, you, you cultivate just this sort of like treasure trove and of, of experts and, and voices so that you're acclimating yourself to this world. Like it's a completely new world. It was very different than season one because I, I didn't have personal experience with this. Once you get all that, then you sort of hone that episode outline for this, for the season. And then you figure out what's the narrative arc of the season, right? And once you do that, you figure out where are the holes, who do we still need? And then you start putting it all together. So doing your version one of your script, pulling your clips together, listening to the clips, writing the scripting and the VO in between, figuring out what's the narrative arc of each episode. How does that work with the narrative arc of the entire season? I mean, it's each script has around, you know, eight to 10 versions. You're listening to a version, cutting more, listening to a version, tweaking this VO, listening to a version, you know, it's kind of a miracle when they come out. It's like, oh, wow. <laughs> like the episode we, we, we put out today has five voices in it. There's two sisters, one mom, a developmental psych- psychologist, my voice, and then also the writings and live journals and, and diary entries of this woman who died by suicide. So there's really six voices in, in this episode. So that's kind of how that works, right? And then other season, other other series are different. When you have shows that are more interview based, you know, like in the bubble and pods of the people, these kinds of shows, you know, Jess can speak directly to those as well. But you're figuring out like this is this is this would be a good episode. This is a topic we have to cover. You know, it's more timely. It's more tied to the news cycle. There's more like immediate gas that has to be put onto those. So every process is very very different. Yeah, that's really interesting. Though I've never done a seasonal show. But I like the the idea of, okay, at a top level, what is the narrative that I want to tell in the season? And then how does that break down into episodes and then break all those episodes down individually? I think I think a lot of people also need to hear that a lot of the material that you create or record doesn't get used and that's okay. That feels like a scary thing when you're making something and you create something and then eventually you realize no one's going to see that. I never feel like it's okay. This, I mean, I want to use every ounce of audio that we have. But you're right. It it just doesn't. If you're doing a 12 episode season and each episode is 45 minutes to an hour, you do not have and you've collected 100 hours of tape. I'm no mathematician, but you can't use all of that tape. Right. And the other thing that I do want to say is when you're talking about a narrative season, you really do need to start with a primary driving question. Like this is the thing we're trying to uncover or unpack this season. Um, That's been really useful and helpful for us. When we come back, we talk about how Jessica and Stephanie knew that the world was ready for a show like Last Day. And a little bit later, we talk about how the creative process plays a role in grieving. So stick around and we'll be right back. This episode is sponsored by Podcast Movement. For the past decade, Podcast Movement has organized the world's largest gathering of podcasters, featuring thousands of attendees, hundreds of breakout sessions, panels, and workshops, 
plus the largest trade show in podcasting. Podcast Movement helps podcasters of all experience levels create, grow, and profit from their show. It's suitable for beginners, but you'll also have the opportunity to meet some of the biggest names in the industry. I've been to several Podcast Movement events, and not only is the programming incredible, but the culture and vibe are incredible too. It attracts thoughtful, empathetic, and collaborative people, which makes sense when you think about the medium of podcasting. Podcast Movement hosts two events per year. The first just wrapped up, but their flagship conference is happening August 19th through the 22nd in Washington, D.C. Attendees have the freedom to choose their own adventure across several different stages throughout the four-day event, not to mention dozens of amazing networking events, parties, and the expo hall floor. Tracks include podcast creation, video and live streaming, industry professional, plus several stages of curated programming from some of the top companies in podcasting. It's truly a unique event, and if you are a podcaster, I cannot recommend it enough. Right now, tickets are available at super duper early bird pricing. And as a Creator Science listener, you can save $50 on top of that by visiting podcastmovement.com science. That's podcastmovement.com science. Welcome back. This whole conversation has been a little uncomfortable. These are really heavy and even taboo subjects, not just for me, but for society. So I asked Jessica how she knew that the world was ready for a show about the things that are killing us, things like heroin and suicide. I think we had, it was February 2019 when we really formed Lemonada and knew that the opioid show, which I don't think was called Last Day at the time, I think we were calling it Antidote, fun fact. I don't know if we've told anyone that, which is a clever title, but wasn't really the, the core of the show that we ended up with. And it was 2019, it was February, everyone in America and probably the world, but we were selfish and focused only on our own, our own nation, was miserable. It's hard to remember that you were miserable in 2019, but statistically speaking, you were. <laughs> and so was everyone around you. Um, like the data was extravagant, like 40% of Americans said they felt lonely, something like 70% of working Americans sat in their car for some period of time alone just to avoid whatever the hell they were going to, the party, the work, the home, whatever. So we we kind of like leaned into that space. Our brothers dying was one form of misery. Their own stuff that they were struggling with was a, a symptom of it. And I think we knew there was a market for it, but we knew like gloom and doom wasn't going to sell or be interesting or be helpful to people. Like it, it just like, I won't listen to the latest news article or read the latest news article on like what's happening with Purdue Pharma or the opioids crisis. Cause I'm like, not helpful. I'm not going to bring my brother back. It's fucking miserable to think that there are 70,000 people this year who feel the way I feel. That sucks. It's not helpful. So we wanted to do a different thing. And we, we really struggled with whether last day should come first. Cause it is our hardest show by far. And I think ultimately we felt like it told our story and it was important that it came first and that it was good. <laughs> um, so that was, that. I mean, that's the simple version of it. Steph, would you add anything else? I don't think when we started, we knew we would have a huge audience for this show. We, I certainly didn't. Yeah. We had to do it. There was a, there was a compulsion to make it. We were on this personal quest to answer the question, what could we have done differently? Could we have saved our brothers? I was interested in figuring that out. And Jess was so fresh in her in her grief. And I had already kind of like 
processed in a way losing Harris because I'd written this book that was called Everything is Horrible and Wonderful that also there were funny parts as well. And I said to Jess, like, you're very close to this still. So what if we, because I don't really want to tell Harris's last day story again. I already feel like I did that. What if we tell Stefano's last day, I host the show, you're you're a voice in the show, but there's some sort of like separation there, right? Because it's tough. It's hard. It's It's painful to like dig into that. And that ended up working for us. And then I think the show naturally took on my tone, <laughs> which is completely irreverent. And I say fuck a lot. I, uh, I've gotten some flack about that on the old reviews. Um, if you like the show, please review and, and give a positive one. But that's in terms of like what we, the tone, I think that's how that happened. Would anyone listen? No, didn't, didn't know, didn't know that. The fact that so many people are listening is very sad in a way. Happy for us, but like points to the fact that this really is a problem and nobody knows what to do. And people are finding solace in this. They're finding comfort and they're finding answers and solutions. There's part of it like, well, that sucks that we didn't have these solutions for our brothers, right? But my dad is a doctor who's retired. He always says like, that's the deal with medicine. You can't think about well, they didn't have this cure then. You just got to keep moving forward. We're mm-hmm. always going to be better equipped than we were yesterday. We're always going to be having more information, more breakthroughs, more experts. And addiction six years ago, which is when Harris died about six years ago, the field is completely different now. I mean, the fact that Oregon just passed this decriminalization of all drugs, right? Personal possession of all drugs is massive. I kept, I was saying yesterday to to our producer, if, if this Oregon story had broken while we were doing the podcast, it would have been its own episode. It's 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 a huge shift in the way that we're thinking about drugs and addiction in America. We've been really late and really behind the curve. Mm-hmm. So it's an interesting process. It's like we could keep doing the podcast because things keep changing every day. I will not continue to talk about opioids, but we do have In Recovery now, which is the show with with Dr. Nzinga Harrison, who was one of our like MVPs on the show. She kept coming back. She's an incredible addiction medicine doctor full of compassion and humanity. She has a really progressive view of treatment and and addiction. And when we were sort of done with Last Day, season one, we said, like, we're done telling this story, but our audience is not done talking about it. And what can Mm -hmm. we do? And how can we continue to help these people? Because our whole thing with Lemonada is content, yes, and community, that we we do both. We want to cultivate cultivate both. So we found this natural sort of spinoff almost. Uh, and so Nzinga continues to talk about addiction. And I continue to find a lot of comfort in that show as well. A lot of people listening to the show, you know, they're creatives and they probably deal with grief in their own way using creativity as an outlet. And I'm curious what you guys have learned about how to have difficult conversations or treat sensitive subjects in a way through art and and sharing your voice with people. There's a cathartic experience that comes along with sharing your grief. That's pretty much what we've done entirely here. It's what I did with my book. It's what I do with the podcast. The way I describe it is if you have all that toxicity in your body and it's sort of just like sitting in there, it helps to get it out. And then when you get it out, you end up connecting with other folks who've experienced the same thing because we're all human and we are all mortals and we all have to deal with death and loss and sickness and hardship at some point. So 
I say like, if you're putting your experience out there authentically, I think it can be very therapeutic to put it out there. Have you guys faced worse blowback from talking about subjects like this than you expected? Or has it been easier than you thought? Yeah, I think it's been easier. I think people just are so appreciative that we're willing to share our stories because they can see themselves in our story in a variety of ways. And when you talk about death and grief that involves stigma, it's like the only way to eradicate it is through talking about it openly and the dark parts and the light parts. I think with deaths that involve stigma, you also get people who have opinions about it. So, you know, people aren't that gentle with addiction or haven't been historically. I think now more than ever, people are talking about addiction and know someone who is suffering from an opioid use disorder or a meth use disorder or alcoholism. And and I think there's just more conversation around it being a disease of the brain and not a moral failing. And that that happened before us. That's happening with us and before us. And, you know, we were part of helping create platform to talk about that more, but it is, it is providing a gentler landing for folks who are either struggling with addiction or have people around them who are same for suicide. I'd imagine, I mean, this, the show came out years after the journalistic standards changed to died by suicide, not committed suicide. And that is the, the sense of like, people aren't trying to hurt you. They are suffering greatly. And there's a compulsion to end that suffering. I don't know. I mean, I, I, we've got a couple of nasty comments about our heroin addicted brothers and our shitty families, but for the most part, it's been okay. What do you think about the medium of audio as a platform and the opportunity that's still there for people who may be just thinking about getting into podcasting? Um, I think the thing that's so great about it is that there is such an accessibility that really anyone can create a podcast. I had a, a girlfriend the other day whose son is on the spectrum and they're dealing with a lot of stigma in their community and in their school community and they want to talk about it and they want to interview other parents and they said we want to we want to do a podcast you give us tips i'm like yeah go on amazon buy a zoom recorder get some mic cords get a get an sd card start talking into a microphone go onto GarageBand or audacity edit it that's all available for you and then put it out right so there is this anyone can do this and I think that's that's very cool. There's something really neat about the fact that I can have an idea and follow through with it. And there's no there's not this sort of exclusivity around it. I think it is a very intimate medium. I think that it's a growing industry. So anything you want to find content on, you can. You can find your voice reflected where you want to find it. I, I think it's a terrific medium. And you don't have to put on pants or shower, <laughs> which, is, which is my favorite part. If you made it this far, thanks so much for listening through what I know is a heavier and more uncomfortable episode than most. But like Jessica and Stephanie, I didn't want to shy away from topics like this. These are such rampant issues in the United States and even the whole world today that it's important that we talk about them. After all, if people who have experienced loss like Jessica and Stephanie can talk about this, shouldn't we be able to too? And as a podcaster, I was so appreciative of Stephanie sharing behind the scenes of how she thinks about constructing a narrative arc for each season and episode. That's a second level of thinking that I haven't gotten into with creative elements yet, especially since this show isn't seasonal. But it really goes to show just how much planning and work goes in early on for shows like Last Day. If you want to listen to Last Day, you can find it wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you want to learn more about Lemonada Media and their other shows, you can visit lemonadamedia.com. Links to both are in the show notes. 
And if you or someone you know is struggling emotionally or feeling hopeless, it's important to talk to someone about it now. In the show notes, I've included resources for free confidential conversations with a trained counselor anytime. Thanks to Jessica and Stephanie for being on the show. Thank you to Emily Klaus for making the artwork for this episode. Thanks to Nathan Todd Hunter for mixing the show and Brian Skeel for creating our music. If you like this episode, you can tweet at jklaus and let me know. And if you really want to say thank you, please leave a review on Apple Podcasts. Thanks for listening and I'll talk to you next week. Universe.